Hello, and welcome to Generational Archives. Again, it's the show where we connect, heal, uncover through intergenerational conversations and archival research. I'm Dr. Reina J. Leon. I'm your scholar, your creative, your intuitive researcher, your very tired mama, because I got up at 5.30 this morning and I'm not a natural um, early board bird at all. And I'm with my mother, Dr. Norma D. Thomas. Mommy, how are you going to introduce yourself today? Well, I am Raina's mom, just very busy trying to put a whole lot of stuff together in a very short period of time because we have to do some traveling. And I'm usually an early bird, but I don't think I got up today until after seven o'clock, which is late for me. Mm. So I had the check-in question today. Okay. And that is, what was your favorite trip and why and both of us have traveled a good deal so for you that was a harder question to answer for me there's been a few magnificent trips but the first trip that i actually took away from the continent meaning not canada not mexico but actually left and crossed the atlantic ocean was the trip we took that was a celebration of my 50th birthday, which believe it or not was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And your graduation from Penn State, which would have been 2003. And I love the trip because one, it was the first time again, traveling, really traveling outside of the continent that we traveled together. So it was a whole lot of fun. I mean, I actually learned how to pack light so that we could carry what we brought with us, how to do a, I think it was about a three-week trip mm -hmm. for very little money and seeing Italy, a lot of Italy and, and Greece. And since I love ancient history, it was all also that chance to see places that I thought I would never see in my life and go to some places that my mother had been able to visit, like the Colosseum, like some of the antiquities in Greece when she did a trip over to Israel in the Middle East. So it was just a great trip. And it's the only trip I ever journaled part of the trip. <laughs> so I still have those journal entries from that trip. So mm -hmm. have you? thought about your favorite yet or yeah you know I've been really struggling with the favorite trip because there was one year the year that I moved from Germany back to the states um, to the Bay Area where I was on five different continents within the span of I want to say six months it was a pretty active year because I was traveling a lot uh, with work but also just for pleasure and then I moved back to the states so that year alone like I had been to for example Egypt and I had been to all along Egypt I did a Nile cruise and I was in Hong Kong and I had been to Brazil that year among some of the places and all of those places were remarkable. You were like, oh yeah, you went to Egypt and you went to this uh, um, Hong Kong. And, and, and I was like, yeah, those were great trips. And I loved going with friends in one and by myself on another. And and at the same time, all of them had their um, struggles and, and I journaled the whole way for all of them. 
Um, but they, some were kind of isolating. So I actually vacillated a lot. I, I loved the trip that we did as a family when I, I can't even remember, must've been young teens um, when we went to Mexico. But I want to say that it might have been um, our, our trip to, to Italy and Greece. And because I did the planning, it was, yes. <laughs> I paid for the original like flight and everything because it was $2,200, including airfare at all of our hotels. And I worked really hard to do that. And then when we went over, you started getting wild with that credit card at the end. I didn't get, it, it wasn't wild. I I had said I was tired of washing my clothes and hanging them up. So in Greece, I paid for us to get our clothes laundered, dried and folded. Wild. And, <laughs> and, and we, we ate out once and, and I actually paid for us to take a tour around Athens at night. Totally. So, I said, Raina, I'm tired of bread and water diet. <laughs> we are going to spend a little money. But it was a great trip to let me know that you can travel with a budget, but still be able to see and do so many things. And it was, and and after that, every trip I've taken almost when I've been with groups, especially when I went back to Rome, it was disappointing because what we got to see for the amount of money we had to pay was nothing compared to what we got to see when we did it on a budget and walked and and actually spent time in many of these places. So it's always now disappointing when I've been part of some of the tours when I go, you know, to to Europe. So I I'd rather do it on my own than to be with some of these group tours, they're very disappointing. Well, and then that's something for people to remember. You can, you know, pick up a book, uh, Rick Steves or A Lonely Planet or something like that and rent a little apartment. This was before Airbnb, for example. So we had a little apartment that was connected to a hostel when we first arrived and we stayed in hostels. So embedded within community, we had a, a bread, water, uh, and cheese diet um, and, and wine. And cheese for, for mm -hmm. lunch. We carried it around. Yes. And we, then we, but we could cook ourselves and buy food in the grocery store in the evening. So, right. and, and, and you meet people also that are doing the same thing. And so that yeah. was nice too. Well, and I think the most magical part of that trip might have been when right. we went to the Colosseum and we were in the Imperial Forum and uh, happened to see this group of people and a guy was was gathering people to give a tour i still remember his name this is 20 some years later and paul and we right. ended up paying five dollars to go with paul on this you would never believe kind of secret access tour of catholic sites primarily i his story was that if i remember correctly he was you know, wanting to be a priest, decided not to continue on with his studies and stayed on in Rome and was doing these tours. So for $5, I don't even think it was per person, just $5. Um, we had gone to all these beautiful, incredible sites and had this access, including to this church where we had to kind of go into a crypt and both yeah, of us- down in the catacombs. <laughs> yeah, and both of us had this experience of like, 
oh, this is where it all goes wrong. <laughs> Maybe we should back out of here. This would be the perfect place to set up this group for a robbery. But, <laughs> but he he was honest. And actually, we were the last people who who were still on the tour with him when we went through Cir Circus Maximus and some of the other things. So it was a it was a it was just a great trip. Yeah, it was. It so, was yeah, go ahead. No. I was going to say, so we thought, or at least I thought one thing to talk about today was what happens when you're stuck in doing genealogy research? Because it can be frustrating. You're trying to find your people and find information and you hit a wall, which can easily happen when you are researching your ancestors who were enslaved because... There are all kinds of barriers that are not named in many of the records. And so it, it can be frustrating trying to get back and find out who these people mm -hmm. are. So I had kind of three things that I noted and then some updates that I wanted to provide. So when you're stuck, go back and review what you've already gathered. Because sometimes you've gathered material that doesn't quite fit anywhere, but you hold on to it anyway. And you can go back and look at that material. It may speak to you somehow that, oh, here's a new piece of information that I can go and research. Or you can research other family members. Maybe there's some other names that you haven't paid attention to. Go back and do research on them. And then talk to people. Recently, I talked to a cousin who let me know that my, it would be my great-great-grandfather on my mother's side who was enslaved, that his the original slave owner's name was Monday, and last name was Monday. I never heard this before, that Satterwhite was the second slave owner. So that's new information. We may not find anything about it, but it gives us new information and a clue into his life. And to give some updates, when going back, I, I said I follow my own advice and pulled the binder that has my mother's family's information in it because we had not been able to, for the times we've been in Saluda, find the Satterwhite uh, gravesite. So I go back, I look at my Aunt Minnie's funeral program, and there's the name of the church where she's buried. And of course, in two seconds, I look it up on the internet. I have the, the address for the Young Mount Zion uh, church, and the cemetery is there, and it lists my Aunt Minnie, it lists her father, Pinckney, enlist his wife, uh, Annabelle. And so that's where many of the saddle whites are buried. And hopefully next time we go, we'll be able to find it. Where the other two times we couldn't find this cemetery. So any thoughts you have, Raina? Well, on that, so sometimes there are just these happenstance discoveries. Like you, we weren't supposed to go to those places at that time. So we have been to those cemeteries many times and tried to find, and the answers, the address literally was waiting. And I think that that's something to share too with folks of, 
okay, you can, you can research and research and research. And then one way to, to accept that is to say, I'm not supposed to get this information at this time. I will research alongside. And when the ancestors think it, it time for me to find this particular information, I will find it. And perhaps that will also create a little bit of spaciousness rather than frustration of, I can't find it, I can't find it. And the reality is that for so many people, they've been searching for decades for like that kind of information, the, the detail about a particular relative whose name has been lost to uh, because of the boundaries of slavery. And then an opening happens or you're on a particular Facebook group and you discover that someone has also done research and that's created an opening for you. That said, there are Facebook groups. There are, are, are incredible Facebook groups that um, where people share their research and their um, strategies for finding their people. Um, I'm trying to remember one, um, which is really like, I, I found my African ancestors or something like that, um, where you can just join the Facebook group and then people um, share what how they're approaching it. You can say, oh, I have this problem and or I, this is the person, here are their birth dates, I've gotten this far. And sometimes there, there are amateur genealogists who'll say, oh, I'll take on that project just for the fun of it. You know, people sometimes are interested in exploring a puzzle alongside you. And that can be really great to have people who are like, okay, I can help you. Um, well, this Young Mount Zion um, Church actually has an active Facebook group page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So at least they might be able to, I can contact them the next time we go down about trying to get access to the grave. Because my cousin had told me that at one point it was vandalized, so a fence was put up around it. So, so you can't actually get into the graveyard unless somebody gives you access. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are, there are Facebook groups out there that you can explore um, and getting access might be connected with connecting with someone in, in the local community. I, I love we had this conversation yesterday too that had never emerged. You would talk to one of our cousins and he was like, oh yeah, we have a relative who's 108 years old. So she would have known yeah, me. Yeah, 108 years old. Yeah, contact your cousin Beverly and get her contact information. I was like, what? Who is this person who's 108 years old? I've never heard this before. Right. So my response to that was immediately contact her because obviously this information and talking to this person is meant for us in this time. So we we need to talk to to um, this relative of ours. So I also want to uplift that when a discovery emerges, don't wait. Don't say, oh, I'm going to figure out. I'll reach out to them. And but then life gets in the way and you lose this phone number or something happens like just don't wait you're clearly this has emerged at this time for you to take a step to find the information that is meant for you in this moment so don't wait (laughs) um so i i think that that's important to raise so yeah so you can still do discoveries it may not be on the trajectory that you wanted but 
Uh, I shared with Raina that one time when I couldn't find information on the Thomas family, I literally typed in Thomas family Hopwood, Pennsylvania, and this website uh, oh, happened and yeah. just popped up of all, I mean, this huge history of the Browns, I think it was the McKenzie's and the Thomases and Hopwood and who's related to who. And the picture of the person who had put this together was obviously, if I didn't know we were related somehow, I he he was white. <laughs> and but he had the pictures of many of the relatives. So it talks to, you know, it speaks to our mixed heritage, but but he had all this information up. And I said, Well, I was supposed to be in church today, but <laughs> I got all this information by just simply typing in. And then uh, at some point, someone had told me about the research done by the Mormons. And so the, the um, search engine that they maintain also has a huge amount of information about African-American families. So when you get stuck, just start randomly putting in information and it may just pop up one day that because more and more information gets put on the internet. Right. And and so where back when I started, I struggled finding information. Much of this information is now coming to the forefront much easier than it used to. Well, and on that, as you do more research, when you have more information about a sister or a nephew or a grandparent, if you're assembling that information online, for example, with whatever your your family tree uh, services, then the algorithms pull from that and start to make connections for you. So what you wouldn't have had access to when you first started because you only had one name, well, now you have three and algorithms and family trees, uh, research tools can say, oh, uh, there are these connections and I can see how they're connected. Here's some more things that you should check out. Um, I wanted to mention those specific uh, Facebook groups. One is called Our Black Ancestry. And the other is I've traced my enslaved ancestors and their owners. Those two groups have been really fruitful for me just to see how people are approaching their research. And sometimes there are folks who have similar histories where they're researching Orangeburg, South Carolina, which is where we have people. And just to see, get a, a sense of the context, because for, for us, one thing that I found interesting is looking at records to have a sense, looking at census records, for example, to have a sense of where people were living and how close they were living together and getting a sense of the black people, but also the um, white land owners um, enslavers within that community through the census, because then that gives a sense of how people are moving around and how they're related or um, whether through family relation or through um, just other kinds of relation, financial relationship. So getting a sense of, of the community at the time, and that can lead to more information from newspapers or church registries because we have a sense of where people were and unlike now like as I said when you asked the question of oh talk about your favorite travel um and and I'm like I don't know there was that year I was I was in five continents <laughs> like I don't know 
our ancestors did not move like that, not generally. So if we can get a sense of where they were living, um, where they were born and raised, then we can also get a sense of like who their people are, perhaps their their parents, um, maybe even their grandparents, depending on a number of different factors. So anyway, those those uh, Facebook book groups are our Black ancestry, and I've traced my and I've traced my enslaved ancestors and their owners. There are two of them. And as I said, there are a lot of people who, if you post your question or some information, then they'll take up the task to research for free, uh, just for to help out within the community. I'm sure there are some people who are like, yeah, I'm a genealogist. I do this for the profession. <laughs> Here's my rates, that kind of thing. But I've actually never seen that. I've seen more people who are like, I'll just take up that, that question. Maybe I'll find something and share it your way. And hiring a professional genealogist, it's always the best to hire somebody from the community you're researching, not somebody generally out there doing genealogy research. That was advice given to me by a genealogist that yeah. says, don't pay money for someone who doesn't know the community that you're trying to research. And that makes a whole lot of sense, having it done that investment and not received much more information than I provided the person to start their research. So uh, that's also something to think about as well. So I guess that is our tips for the day and some of the things we found out and just going back and looking at information we already had and talking to people. Absolutely. And uh, I think uh, I want to encourage you all to continue to check in with us. We know a number of people who have found us through our circles, but also just found us and started binge listening. So for any listener, thank you so much for listening and supporting. And hopefully this inspires you on your journey. If you like what you've heard, then like and subscribe on whatever method that you found us. We are on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google, on all the things. And share the news with other people. Perhaps you sharing this podcast or you sharing your story of discovery will inspire someone else in finding and reclaiming their ancestors as well. So have a wonderful, wonderful day. And we look forward to connecting again in our next podcast. Bye, y'all. Bye.